Okay, so fuck yes. Welcome after the hype. New host, always Brian Justin. As always, John Darcy, Theo, Joey Darso, Emily Blake. Oh, was that Jurassic Park? Yeah, that's Jurassic Park. Did I do a thing? It didn't work. It was close enough. I knew what it was. It's a little too fast. But you were trying to keep up with him. Yeah, I was. Yeah, okay. Thus ruining everything she was trying to do. Special guest this week, we have Elvis Kunish coming back. <laughs> that was better. He stole my idea and did it better. Yeah. Awesome. I like it's how true, he already fashion. dressed the part. Like he's got a little bit of a, the color scheme and the look of Indiana going on right now. This is supposed to be Roy Neary, but I oh. didn't have a tan oh. jacket. I have a hat for you to wear during the picture, actually. <laughs> He doesn't wear a hat in the movie. You're thinking Indiana Jones. Oh, God. Yeah. He's not, he's not That's doing John. Raiders. That's John. Yeah. Uh, totally stop hitting me. Song. I did just. <laughs> this is a pat. If it's this is a hit, you're sensitive. You, don't you have two kids only like hit you all the time? Oh, wait. No, you don't no. have two. You only have one kid right now. I only now. have one. He has one that in like nine fetus has been kid. beating yeah. him up in bed. Jandy puts her stomach near him, and it's just whack, whack, whack. The does, whole that, time. does that happen? I mean, it is like Do Indiana Jones where you're. I mean, they can't punch through the stomach. Yeah, actually, my kid, when the. In January, when we went to get my uh, the heart thing to make sure the kid's still alive. Ultrasound. I'll, no, that wasn't, <laughs> no, it wasn't the ultrasound. It was just the one thing where she was using the the sound device, and when she's <laughs> perhaps it's ultra. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> ultrasound. Fine. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking. We're still with you though. Go but on. he punched, he kicked it. It was kind of funny. He sure did. Because Good job, we, kid. we actually saw the thing jump up. Kids a like, bit. fuck this. Get out of my face. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm, I'm alive. I'm sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so with all that wonderfulness, we can move into a where have you been doing? <laughs> Our child's going to be a kicker, honey. Yeah, he is. He's going to uh, be in football just like he always wanted, but he's going to be a kicker. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> he's still part of the team. It's okay. <laughs> Set every mother to every kicker ever. <laughs> You're still part of the team, sweetheart. <laughs> you scored those three points. <laughs> Man, our pregnant audience is everywhere. They're just laughing right now. Like, I get it. It's a reference. Anywho, where have you been doing? Uh, I'm trying to think like the one that I, I would want to talk about the most. Uh, I watched Love Season 3. There we go. Uh, you were very disappointed. I was. It was seasons one and two were good. They were not the best show ever, but they were good. Like they they have some clear problems writing women on the show, but that's kind of my biggest problem with Judd Apatow usually across the board. Uh, but I thought this one did pretty good with it, and they had a lot of like uh, comedians on there that were really interesting, and they had a lot of themes and stuff that was fun and very bittersweet. And then the third season, they went all sweet, no bitter. And it ends really happy-go-lucky, and it just didn't feel like the same show. I forgot that still works. <laughs> it does. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was just kind of fine. Like, it, it just, a lot of characters did things that were very out of character in, like, the last three episodes. And it didn't feel like growth. It felt more like, oh, by the way, you're not getting season four. And they went, oh, shit, better wrap this up. And there's just yeah. a lot of loose threads that don't go anywhere. And then a lot of things get tied up, but not well. And it just kind of left me going, eh. Mm. and like the reviews are like a very fitting end for love and i go was it were we watching the same show because it doesn't feel like an end of love it feels like the end of like a crappy well not crappy but a pretty <laughs> decent like chick flick do they yeah because di- literally do they mean literally like this is the end of love, end That's of love. It. it's uh, over yeah, maybe love is over. <laughs> i never watched it because it just didn't appeal to me that bittersweet gets I, real bitter i always me. listen to what you had to say about the previous season so yeah the the way you talked about the first two and then this one, it just it really does sound like we wanted to end this happy, uh, so now we just need to add in a lot of sap to do it real fast in this season since we don't not get enough fourth. That's what yeah. it sounds like. Yeah. The one thing I will say uh, about the show that did not come truly clear to the last season was Judd Apatow's daughter turned into a great actress. Like she started Who to does just she play? Uh, she plays the child actress that Gus is teaching on set. Oh yeah, yeah. Teacher. So she started like. I don't remember which movie of his, but she's been in a bunch of his movies, and she's always just kind of like, oh, well, there's like a... Wasn't she in, like, This Is 40? And she was in This Is 40. I think she was actually in 40-Year-Old Virgin, like, as, like, a two-year-old. Like, she's been in a shit ton of his stuff. Um, But this is the first time she's had, like, legit, like, things to chew on and do, and she rose to the occasion. Like, she was great, especially in season three. That's good. Cool. Yeah. Uh, And it was really cool watching it, because you watch the first season, it's like, oh, there's Apatow's daughter cashing a check because she's Apatow's daughter. And by Mm. the end of it, she had actually made a character that she could play, and she was great at it. So if you if you've enjoyed the show, it's worth watching enough just to see that character. But there is zero payoff for her 
because clearly there is something else. Like the last shot you have of her is like her hiding behind a bush, and that storyline just disappears. And it's like, what the fuck? It's always disappointing when people have clearly had an idea of how they wanted the show to go, and then they didn't get the time to do it. Yeah. And Netflix was really proud of itself for canceling like half its shows, and I don't get that at all. But yeah, it's weird. Hooray. They're you really did. proud of that. Yeah, like, we need to cancel you more just shows. Fired a bunch of people. Good for you. Why, Dick? <laughs> but all right, that's it for me. Uh, so I haven't really done a lot because uh, I've been busy with work and also all these podcasts we've been doing at once. Uh, so for that reason, uh, I watched a movie that we'll talk about in another episode called Justice League, and I'll just leave it at that. I mean that that episode's a few a few days off, yeah. a few weeks off at this point. You can say something if you'd like to. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> like Brian and I didn't already expect you yeah. to. No, no, no. It, I was trying to find something to like, just to be like, ah, stick it to them. I like some of it. I uh, bet I'll be I, able to convince you on some stuff. Yeah, so, maybe. So tune into yeah. our Justice League episode yeah, to find Le- out why uh, <laughs> Jonathan is not the only one who hated it. <laughs> I'm really mad at it, but I like yeah. it a lot. <laughs> and we have a guest, uh, Brian. Um, Newton. Newton's coming back for that episode, and I'm curious to find out whether or not he hated it. I'm sure he did, but since he's a director of Teen Titans Go, it'll be fun getting his opinion on another team-up show. I will say that the uh, Green Lantern thing was cool. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it was. For that two seconds. And you were right right in that the editing (laughs) did piss me off. Yeah, right? Yeah, you called that. Yeah, there's a lot of problems. But... Oh, God, yes, the editing. All right. Okay. Okay. <gasps> we'll, get, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there in a few weeks. Tune in. Chewie, what about you? What have you been doing? Um, well, I'm pregnant, so I fall asleep during a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, last night, I fell asleep while we were watching Congo. What, what? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> while I was awake, I was really enjoying it. Because <laughs> it's just... That would be the best review. It's not the movie's fault. It's the fact that my body is making shit constantly, and that's apparently exhausting. Uh, but it's such a definitive crap adventure film from the 90s. Well, it's the worst. It's so <laughs> Bad good. gorilla. Bad gorilla. Tickle Amy. Tickle Amy. <laughs> Ugly woman. <laughs> I mean, it's... Great within its terribleness, like, and that accent from um, oh. I can't, Tim, he, Curry. Tim Curry. Tim Curry. I keep wanting to just call him Frankenfurter. Space. <laughs> it's just is not. It's so over the top. It's so like the these city are t- of Zinge. It makes me upset that these are the type of movies that the big companies don't make anymore. That like it's reserved to shit like. Uh, asylum where they make these movies yeah and the asylum well, hurricane movie, heist we haven't seen hurricane heist yet i want to see hurricane heist i think i'm the only one that does uh, although question is does rampage do you think rampage is hearkening to something like that it might be i'm really excited to see rampage i hope oh. it's pure trash and i hope it's a lot of fun but they might try to take themselves too seriously uh, because yeah. honestly the, a lot of the companies aren't imba- aren't embracing the trash anymore. They left that to Asylum and Asylum's just trash. Like they're not even fun. Asylum's not going to be around forever. They're going away fast. They yeah, they're almost completely gone, but there'll probably be somebody else that picks up the reins and it'll be another thing of bros who just wanted to get women to take their tur- their tur- turtles off. Tops <laughs> off. <laughs> Out their turtlenecks. Uh, they put them in turtlenecks. Yeah. <laughs> but are they tactical turtlenecks? <laughs> the Congo, if you've never seen it, is about an expedition to uh, this part of Africa in the Congo. Uh, we got two. We got three different agendas, guys. We got Tim Curry who wants diamonds. We got uh, Laura Linney who wants to a special that. diamond that does a thing with a yeah, satellite. They want, they want she wants to too. find Bruce Campbell. She yeah. does not oh, want that's diamonds. Right, that's right. The, she, she loves gets really Bruce mad Campbell. When they find the out. company yeah. that hired her wants the diamond yes. for the uh, satellite. And so then that's you four have motivations. <laughs> I don't remember the other guy's name. Monkey the gorilla, lover. Gorilla guy. The gorilla yeah. guy. He was a Congo. staple in the 90s. Um, <laughs> is that David Krumholtz? No, no. no. Let's just say Bob Hoskins for fun. Yeah. (laughs) That would have been a better movie. (laughs) Uh, But he's trying to bring his lovable gorilla back to her birthland, uh, essentially. (laughs) Sounds like Uh, Bob But she can talk. So Bob Hoskins. She can't. That's the one thing that annoys me about the movie. She doesn't talk. She has a machine that talks for her. She knows sign language. Like Stephen Hawking. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Amy's the Stephen Hawkins of, uh, of the gorillas. A- of yes. gorillas, of the apes. Um, so it's the three of them going into the jungle, and uh, 
Oh, there's so many stereotypical tropes of what Africa is in that movie. It's just almost embarrassing. Uh, and it's if you want a crap movie that's really fun to watch, get super high, watch it, you're going to have a ton of fun. It is just a fun film. Don't take it too seriously. Just let it be in its terribleness. <laughs> I still think if you haven't seen it by this point, don't bother. But I guess maybe having the nostalgia of watching it as yeah. a younger person and knowing better as an adult is makes it better. That but helps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Emily, what about you? I uh, uh, same as John. I've been really, really busy with work, so I'm going to talk about a podcast I've been listening to to and from work that's become one of my favorites. Uh, I'm fairly newly polyamorous, so I've been listening to a podcast called Polyamory Weekly, um, and the hosts Cunning Minx and Lusty Guy are um, really, really good at, so they break down a lot of the common problems you see in polyamory and how to solve them, and then, like, all the, but they also talk a lot about positive portrayals of it in the media, or, um, you know, regularly they'll have, like, a positive poly moment when someone writes in and talks about a time when it really worked for them, when they had compersion, which is when you're happy, compersion is what's called when you're happy with your partner being with someone else, like, you feel happy for them. Um and it's been really, really good to listen to and sort of educate myself on things I didn't know about what it was like to be polyamorous. And, and, and it's been really helpful for me lately because I've faced some challenges lately and sort of figuring my way through it. Um, and I mean, even if you're not, if you're interested in being polyamorous, in being polyamorous, it's definitely worth a read. If you are, even if you're, you've been polyamorous for a while, or, or listen rather, even if you've been polyamorous for a while, I think it's good for listen to. But even if you're just curious as to what polyamory is, because it's not... I feel like all the portrayals in the media are, it's just like one dude and two chicks and he bangs them both. And that's not, that is a version of polyamory, but that polyamory encompasses a lot more than that in relationship style. So, um, I found it, and it's also just really generally entertaining. They do interviews, um, with people in the community and people who've written books or, or do like certain things. And, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. Cool. What was the name of it again? Polyamory Weekly. Got it. Elvis, what about you? Uh, two things. Uh, first, real quick, is I've uh, been playing a game called Celeste on the Switch. Uh, oh, nice. It's about a mountain climber facing your inner demons. It's a puzzle platformer. It's a lot of fun. If you're into that stuff, definitely check it out. Um, but more importantly, uh, thanks to <laughs> Miss Chewy Darso, yeah. I watched Happiness of the Katakuris, uh, a, a film directed by uh, Takashi Miike. Um it's bonkers. Yes. Oh my god, it's intensely bonkers. It's, it's hilarious. It's weird. It's wonderful. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. How about the claymation? That I mean, like, as soon as the movie was like thirty seconds in, it's like I've been surprised four times, <laughs> <laughs> and it kept going. I mean, it was so great. I would never watch that movie on drugs. No. <laughs> no. You would need to be sober because you don't need drugs to be like what the fuck it's like i've, I've never seen this i've told really? you about it <laughs> sounds amazing yeah. it's really it's not as batshit insane as something like uh house um well house is house different wow. yeah house is like psychedelic this yeah, is absurd this is, this is absurd and, and bonkers in a, yeah. a more cohesive way but it's still like when they first find the dead body and it just becomes this choreographed music number. Oh my God. It's so weird. I feel like you're not talking about a real movie. Like how do you like to play this? There's so many things that happen in this movie and it's really the base story about it is it's a family trying to run a bed and breakfast. Well, I'll just hear the back of the, the back of the box just says it's a quirky black comedy. Think shallow grave meets the Japanese classic cult film, crazy family. And now imagine it with songs, dance numbers and animated sequences. I am here for this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's something for everyone to love. <laughs> this is this is this is, sounds like it would go well with the pirate movie. I it could really not does. recommend That's what I was more. Don't do drugs while watching this movie. <laughs> you had me. That just sounds like a challenge to everyone who does drugs. <laughs> <laughs> challenge accepted. Uh, all right, are we ready to move on? Yeah. Ready to talk battle? I can do this. There we go. Mm. Um. So, in honor of tomorrow's release of Ready Player One, which is a supposedly according to reviews the welcome back or welcome return of fun family spielberg did these the guys book not is... see the post i uh, <laughs> have the book i feel like uh, ready player one has taken a lot of hits lately from people who are like it's stupid it's nostalgia about a white boy but it's like i like the book a lot and now i'm being told by everyone that i should hate it so yeah I'm... oh You're the supposed internet to hate decided yeah. to hate on something when the new yeah. movie comes oh, out no. oh no internet what have you done 
That's so unexpected. Yeah, yeah didn't see that coming. <laughs> um, but so the reviews are through the roof, and everyone's really excited. And I figure, what better time to talk about the best Spielberg has to offer with a Spielberg battle? Yeah. Um, so around the table, uh, I'm judging today. Uh, John, which one do you have? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Hook! 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 You have three Hook movies? <laughs> no, it's just because they chant Hook. Uh, oh, they also chant Rufio. You could have gone for that. <laughs> Emily, what do you have? Jurassic motherfucking park. I haven't seen that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very different... That sounds like a porno. <laughs> Holding on to a lot of butts there. <laughs> Last but not least. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That the could also be kind. a porno. But... That really could be, too. <laughs> oh, who's to say it isn't? <laughs> really, the only one of those that would be the... Hook would be a tough porno. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> they make anal hooks, man. I'm just saying uh, tough. I didn't say it wouldn't do. happen. <laughs> just wouldn't want to watch that one. <laughs> it's a BDSM porn about anal hooks. She's already got that great wig. I mean, that, that could be incorporated somehow. <laughs> oh. And fish hooks. Wait, so, quick, dis- disconnect my arm. <laughs> Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins in the hook porno. I'm into it. Uh, <laughs> my movie's already winning, guys. Yep. All right, so uh, I want to go chronologically. We're going by date of release for each one of these. Mm. So that would make Elvis first, correct? I believe so. Yeah. So Elvis, your five minutes to defend why Close Encounters of the Third Kind is the best Spielberg movie starts now. All right. Um, Well, I feel like uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is the best Spielberg movie because I think it's the most personal Steven Spielberg movie. Um. This guy, he's been trying to make this when he's a, when he, when he makes this movie, um, he's basically been trying to make a movie like this his whole life. He made when he was seventeen a movie called Firelight that doesn't really exist anymore. That incorporated a lot of ideas into Close Encounters. He was trying to write the script before Jaws, and he just won the jackpot with Jaws. You can make any movie you want to make. What do you want to do? And he wants to make this crazy UFO movie that everybody's like, "This is what? What is that? Nobody knows what this movie's gonna be." Um, and uh, there's just something so unique about it in that um, he was right as he was writing it, uh, he was inspired by uh, the Pinocchio song, Pinocchio, which becomes a, a heavy theme in the movie, um, When You Wish Upon a Star. And he was kind of writing it to how that song makes him feel. And that became incorporated into the music. And John Williams kind of distilled that down. The, the When You Wish Upon a song, uh, Star song down to the five notes that you hear repeated throughout the film. Um, and in that way, I kind of think like the movie is, or the movie uses that music, especially now because that's kind of, that tune opens up every Disney movie anyone sees in the theater now because it's part of their, their production logo. It just kind of taps into this like reaching back into childhood for something more. And I think that's kind of what the movie is talking about. Um, Roy, he's got his normal life, but then he gets, you know, he has this close encounter and he's just kind of becomes obsessed and he's chasing it and, uh, he's reaching for something more beyond his humanity. And I think that's kind of a beautiful thing. Um, Lipton, James Lipton and other people pointed out, uh, that it's personal in a way too, that like his father was an engineer. Uh, his mother was a concert pianist, uh, pianist, pianist. Um, so with the end of the movie, when the UFO and the engineers come together and they play beautiful music together, it's kind of like this harmonizing of his parents and this idea of, uh, coming together. And that's, again, kind of reaches back to that reaching towards sort of the safety and the wonder of childhood. Um, and craft wise, I think it's, it's just gorgeous. Um, there's so many great shots in this and like just using the simplicity of his direction, like there's India where the hands point up. Uh, saying that's where the signal came from, the wiggling of the mailboxes to create the the tension of what's going on. It's like he is he's able to find these like strange, bizarre things in mundane, everyday objects. Um, like even when they place Roy square in the middle of the frame when he's being interviewed by Lacombe and uh, Laughlin, and they're just like huge faces in the frame talking. He's out of focus in the distance, and they're talking in French, so it's like he's even more alienated. And that's just kind of what it feels like when that happens to you. And it's like, oh, these people are speaking something. I can't understand them, but I'm so close. But I feel so far away. Um, and I think the shot that's maybe maybe the best, or at least the the most indicative of Spielberg in his entire career is in this movie. And that's when uh, Barry, the little kid, opens the door. And that brilliant burning 
orange light is just blasting from the distance. And it's like this equal part of terror and wonder. Um, there's a potential for danger. There's a potential for adventure. And uh, that's wonderful. Also, um, let's see. Uh, it's a fantastic cla- uh, fantastic cast, including uh, Francois Truffaut, uh, Bob Balaban, Terry Garr, who also co-starred later with Richard Dreyfuss and Let It Ride, underrated. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, Melinda Dillon, who is most famous probably for A Christmas Story, but also, for me, uh, Nancy Henderson in Harry and the Henderson. <laughs> um, and... Uh, yeah, uh, oh, and also it's the only Spielberg movie that has Carl Weathers, so. <laughs> there's that. Um, and I don't know, just like, the there's so many iconic moments that have been, you know, that are iconic for a reason. Like, I, I think of the mashed potato scene, I think that's probably my favorite scene in the movie, um, which is why I brought mashed potatoes. Uh, we're not eating. Why aren't we eating the mashed potatoes? We will be. Okay. Don't worry. They're for everyone. Service four to five. <laughs> is it real um, potatoes? Because it is in a weird packaging. That I'll, I'll look into it when I'm running, not running out of time. Yeah, here's 15 seconds um, left. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, I mean, that scene is so great. I was going to say a lot more to it, but I'll also say, like, it always makes me think of the, the Simpsons scene where Homer builds the uh, the circus tent out of it and he's like that's it i'm going to clown college (laughs) (laughs) and with that you're out of time yeah it's beautiful Mm. so five minutes to defend the film the first question i'm going to ask uh because i think it is the most important question for this movie versus all the rest of spielberg movies spielberg movies known are really known for being timeless uh you can really watch them no matter when they came out and most people still find them enjoyable except for this one this is the one spielberg even Spielberg has said he wanted to change things about it. So I want to know, why do you think that this one's still the best on the table when trying to get a modern wa- audience to watch it is very difficult? Well, I think that um, in t- actually in terms of how Spielberg has kind of moved on from it, in the sense that he says, uh, it, it's mostly I think his complaint is with the ending. He could never make yeah. an ending where a father leaves his children, but he only felt that way after becoming a father, which sure. is... A good thing. Let me put it on the table, <laughs> obviously. But I think that actually speaks to how personal this film was when he was this age. It was such an authentic, pure kind of raw artistry that it just kind of came out of him. And like, this is only the kind of film that this, that like a person this age, this kind of energy could make. Um, and it's and it's in that way, it's the only kind of film. It's it's a film that only Spielberg, Steven Spielberg, could have made, and then. That's Steve, uh, Steven Spielberg at that age, too. Okay, but what about trying to get, like, a say, trying to get... So when most people saw this movie, they were younger, say, mm-hmm. in their early teens to, like, right before teens. Trying to get somebody that age now to watch it would be near impossible. Yeah, I've never seen it myself. Because it just looks boring. It, it's very cerebral. It's almost mm-hmm. like an indie film with a big film budget. Yeah. Um. Well, I would just say, then, we're not arguing what's the most fun. We're arguing what's the best. Sure. And the best is not often the most popular thing. Uh, and I think the people who do seek out Close Encounters of the, of the Third Kind are going to find there's it's it's a slower movie. Not that it's not exciting. There's so many fun sequences in it that I didn't talk about in my first five minutes. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, that slowness is uh, is enriched by kind of the subject matter. And once you get to the ending, you realize how it's talking about so much so many more bigger ideas and just like you can appreciate the themes of communication and kind of reaching outside of yourself. And also I feel like it's kind of a unique movie because it sort of speaks to the artist experience. And it's sort of like when he gets obsessed with the UFOs, it's sort of like the calling of inspiration. So in that way, I think it's more suited to less people. Okay. Who else has something to say about this? I mean, I, it's one of those movies that my entire life people have been like, Chewy, why have you not seen this? This is up your alley. And one of the reasons I haven't seen it is because it does present itself as looking kind of on the face value. It looks stale. Like mm-hmm. it looks like it's got a lot of bright lights and things. And then I hear about how the character, Richard Dreyfus, and he, the way you just describe him kind of sounds like uh, the him in Mother. 
where he's just like kind of an obsessive artist and leaves everything else behind. Oh my god. <laughs> Richard Dreyfus is God. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that type of message where I mean it's really cool that someone would be that passionate, but that is the naivete of an early young artist of thinking that their passion is more important than everything else around them. And that's just kind of the feeling that I'm getting from your defense right now is that it's about that. I think that's not necessarily untrue, but I think that's kind of what makes it such an authentic movie for Spielberg. So it's really great for Spielberg. (laughs) And Elvis. (laughs) No, no, no. Really Um, great for Spielberg and young artists. Well, I don't think it's like in in that way, it's like this is only for those people. But I think it, it captures a feeling that's hard to describe. Case in point, why it's hard to describe how you how the movie has value if you haven't seen it. I feel like you did score some points because you brought food. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm not judging. Um, Yeah, I I agree. I don't know. I I enjoy Close Encounters. I don't think it's a, it's by no means, nothing on the table is a bad movie. Um, Some people argue about Hook, but I disagree with them. Um, I just, yeah, I just think compared to the other movies, I don't know, it just never... I've never felt like it was a movie I kept thinking about, even though it's designed to be a movie you think about. I just never have really. And then, and then it just, I don't know. It just, it's a fine story. It just doesn't make me feel that sense of adventure that Spielberg movies so often do. Eh. It's like the adventure is happening after the movie ends. With his family and suddenly. No, with him going off into fucking space. Oh Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right, let's forget the family some more. (laughs) And there it is. Okay. All right. I should watch that movie at some point. It's yeah, really it's a, it's good. A good movie. <laughs> when I'm not pregnant and going to fall asleep during it. Yeah. Especially, you'll probably fall asleep during <laughs> this one. Uh, so coming up next is Raiders of the Lost Ark. What? What? John, you ready for this? Yes, I am. Five minutes. Okay. Five minutes to say why Raiders of the Lost Ark is the best Spielberg movie. Here you go. All right. I'm talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I'm here to tell you why I think it's the best. Um, let's start with the introduction. I love the introduction to Indiana Jones. It's kind of amazing that uh, it manages to create like three different iconic shots kind of within the same scene, the, the whip at his side, the adventurer side, the, uh, the fedora, and that iconic look up of Harrison Ford as he introduced, like as he walks into frame uh, from the shadow. Um, it's very mysterious and exciting in its construction of the scene, how it takes a while to reveal him. And uh, you would think that that would... Uh, I don't know, get like stale years on, but it, it's kind of one of the timeless aspects of it. It's still mysterious. It's still exciting. Um, I like, I really like in this movie that uh, Spielberg plays with his reaction shot style in some clever ways that kind of where you're gauging what's going on by people's face. Um, the first one that the, the funniest one, I think to me is the student with the, I love you drawn on her eyelids. And just that kind of exchange just kind of gives you a sense that he's playing with that, thing he's starting to kind of figure out what his, he's all about with that um every look at the the snakes those goddamn snakes uh he spielberg manages to make these comedic the where you get like awe and wonder he kind of throws a comedic edge to it and i think that really helps the movie kind of elevate it versus just oh it's wonder it's kind of like oh my goodness like there, there's kind of a sense of wonder but with a comedic slant which i think is really good there's even a shot where Harrison Ford runs up to the camera and kind of almost Sergio Leone's the shot with his eye. Like he he runs into frame to do the close up. Very well done. Um, Karen Allen in this is a blast. Like just she's got some great chemistry with Ford. Um, might be the only movie at the table where uh, you remember the female lead, like more so than the other. Like at the table. Because I was trying, I was trying, to, I was trying to. You're gonna argue with that one. Excuse me. I had to remain impartial to that incredibly wrong statement. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I disagree. Like I, when I was coming to the table with these movies, I when I saw Indiana Jones, it was immediately like, oh yeah, Karen Allen as uh, Marion. Like she was just a part of Indiana Jones. Um, and Laura Dern's not a part of Jurassic Park. No, I forgot. I was All like, right. oh, she's in well, this. Let's wait. To- yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. And having watched those again, I have thoughts. Um, but yeah, Marion is brash, impetuous, and very flawed. But again, her very memorable and very fun to watch. And her romance with Harrison Ford is funny. Uh, I like the uh, mirror scene. That is a, a, a great scene with some great comedy. And 
I like that she's the one seducing Harrison Ford. He tends to be the one who does most of that, and his methods are a little questionable. Uh, let's see. More so in other movies. Yeah. Uh, the uh, villain, Belloc, I think it's a, he's a pretty great villain, and his conversation with Harrison Ford in the cafe is amazing. Just in the, in the sense of it's acting. It's, uh, Harrison Ford is doing a lot of like seething in a very interesting way, and uh, I like the Harrison Ford seethe, but uh, Belloc's kind of monologue about I'm not, we're not so different, you and I, it's believable in this movie. A lot of times where it's like, how are you both the same? You're just a reskin. Well, this is more like, no, Jones could do this. This is his, Jones could very well be Belloc under like a couple different variable changes. Um, and their acting in that scene is amazing. Uh, let's see. Uh, the scene with the bad dates also is up there among my favorite. And, that, and just it, it's kind of Hitchcock construction. It starts almost like with a first-person view and goes in. And this whole time it's like the poison dates. And they're still expositing. Like they're talking about the arc and all that. So like they kind of managed to make an exposition scene really exciting and stressful to watch. And um, very well done. It also really elevates the movie. Um, the special effects are the real, like they're one of the stars of this movie. Just the practical effects used in this movie. Uh, I think anyone who sees a, a video clip of the melting faces of the Nazis remembers that this is from Raiders of the Lost Ark. They're like, oh, that is in, from Indiana Jones. Uh, just very iconic. And um, and then as a kind of a silly additive, uh, it's the only movie at the table to have the most good sequels. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The sequel to Hook is great. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> there is no sequel to Hook. <laughs> um, but that's pretty much it. Uh, also worth noting is John Reese davies as uh, Shala, I think. He uh, is you know, uh, an interesting character. They play him more for comedic in the later movie, uh, Last Crusade. And here he's a good friend and confidant and kind of has his own agency. And uh, yeah. Cool. Easily my favorite. We'll call that one there. Um. Okay. So. All right. So I got one thing off the bat. Go for it. You totally laughed out Alfred Molina's screen debut. Oh, was that? That's Alfred Molina's Aww. first role in the beginning of this movie. You're talking about how great the beginning of this movie is. Yeah. <laughs> how Alfred dare Molina. You? How dare you? So the, the 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 troubles. I forgot one more awesome thing about this movie. <laughs> uh, yes, actually. Uh, but okay, I'm gonna start out the woman thing. Yeah, please do. All right. <laughs> This is a great movie. I will not say it's not. But for women, he, there's so much mansplaining in this film. Mm -hmm. It's mansplain wall to wall. It is a man fantasy of mild-mannered teacher goes off and secretly he's a bravado and smashing Nazis and stealing treasures. It's a wet dream for men. And then you have a woman who is brought up as being cool and let's use the word from previous episodes, sassy, and does her own thing. She's also pretty cool. But then she's a damsel in distress. They throw her in a sexy nightgown. Yeah. In a white lacy and she gown. Has, and she has to seduce the man to try mm -hmm. to get away. And then she fails and still needs to be rescued so by the man. So this is not the best movie for Spielberg and women. No. No. <laughs> John, I have a question. Uh -huh. What do you think is the age of consent? <laughs> 18. Yeah, I think so too. But when... Uh, Indiana Jones was hooking up with Marion the first time. Oh, like I was a child. <laughs> um, dude, men love to think that they usher women to womanhood mm -hmm. by giving them their penis. That is another male fantasy. I have read things from professors about how they do their duty as a professor to help women. Like Jim that. Norris, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like this is a really fun movie, but when you strip it of its fantasticalness it's very chauvinistic yeah marion's great in the beginning we yeah. get, it's a great introduction to her character and in the and then but then eventually she's just like following him around and yeah. it's sort of that's and that's they, another male fantasy take a really strong woman and sort of make her she in love with you actually does and, need me she'll yeah. realize to be it later fair, jurassic park does this too uh, the no uh, not even close uh, oh, we'll discuss yeah. this <laughs> no no i mean you have two women in jurassic park who are doing they're very specific strengths to help survive in Jurassic Park. That's actually one of the things I want to talk Screaming about. Screaming and running a lot? Oh, son. Uh, you have not been watching that movie correctly, and you're having two <laughs> daughters, honey. You need to rewatch Jurassic Park from a non-male oh, point damn. of view. John yeah. just got honeyed. <laughs> <laughs> he got chewed out. John, if you're, 
<laughs> if you strip away all of the cinematography, all of the special effects, what is this movie about? Belief. Belief in what? Something more than yourself. Like, like close encounters. Harrison, that's good. A Harrison Ford's arc about uh, logic versus religion. He has a, he has a whole arc from the beginning to the end of skepticism versus belief. And at the end, when they're tied to that pole, he lets himself believe. I don't. I think he starts to believe in something more than himself. And when these adventure films have that supernatural element, that's kind of the key component. Yeah, it just sounds so like... you think it's about uh, Indiana Jones finding faith? Finding to some extent, finding faith or believing in more than just these are items that there could be more to to the world than just dust. Does that improve cowboy. his character? Because I feel like the rest of the movies are just still about him going after religious objects to obtain them. I mean, those are those movies. I mean, if you just take this movie as its own thing. Well, you mentioned the sequels as being a reason that this is a better movie. That could also be a reason why it's not a good movie. Cause do we need more sequels? I think last crusade we, do we need. We definitely do not need more Jurassic Park sequels. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the, the, oh, never mind. I'm not going to go down a tangent. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to think of like a. You got one minute left here, and I'm trying to think of like if there's something we can do to get this one back up to the standing it was a moment ago. And I'm not sure. Uh, what would you, if you had to sell this movie? I, I got nothing. If there's something that you could say about this movie that like beyond all the negativity about it that still makes it the best at the table, what would you say it is? What's its defining quality that makes it the best? It's a fun adventure film that blends modern and classic filmmaking that from frame to frame is a very fun watch. And yeah. Okay. We'll call it there. It's all about indulgence dun, with you. Dun. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have a lot of indulgence. I didn't mean to get so intense, but it's just like... <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, as soon as John said that uh, she was the, the great woman character, I'm like, oof. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say great. Memorable. <laughs> <laughs> memorable. She was the, like, the most, the best woman on the... Memorable. Yeah. Let's not put Mem- words in the mouth there. Memorable. The greatest feminist memorable. icon, as I believe what he said. <laughs> The savior of womankind. When John said she was more impressive than Princess Leia. I was just like, whoa, John. <laughs> she just kicked Mother Teresa in the ball. Was like... uh, okay, so next would be Hook, I believe. I'm oh, looking at the list. Right? Hook, I could be Hook, wrong. Hold on. Hook. It is. It's 91. She's oh, 92. I didn't know there that. There it is. Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah. 93. Yep. 93? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, oh, for some reason, I always think it was Jurassic Park. I guess he, he does need more time than that. He did. Yeah. Movie. But <laughs> he was in post on Jurassic Park while he was shooting Schindler's List. He works a lot this yeah. year. <laughs> well, he was uh, talking right. about that in an interview about how some that being just say... a bananas transition in your brain to be shooting a Holocaust movie all day and then go home at night and look at <laughs> like dinosaurs. cuts from your dinosaur movie. <laughs> uh, so five minutes to say why Hook <laughs> is the best Spielberg movie. <laughs> All right, guys. Here we I go. Got, I, I got props. I got my gun, which is it says Hold Hook. It. it is Captain Hook's hook. <laughs> that is exactly how those sound. <laughs> uh, and then I have my copy of the Laserdisc, which has a foldout of images and talking about the movie with the idea, the filmmakers, the actors, the sets, the stunts. There's a lot of those to this movie. <laughs> um... And just, just to begin, in the realm of why do people love Spielberg? What do people talk about when they love Spielberg? They talk about nostalgia. They talk about little boys. <laughs> they, they do. <laughs> they that has a different about- meaning. <laughs> <laughs> I just got my laughter under control. <laughs> but they talk about nostalgia, little boys, young men, whatever. And they talk about adventure and whimsy and believing in yourself. Hook has all of this in spades, guys. This is an adaptation of Peter Pan from the viewpoint of an adult Peter Pan, where Peter Pan has forgotten about Neverland, and Hook resents that, because to Hook, Peter Pan is his nemesis. He needs his nemesis. So he goes back, and he kidnaps Peter's children, and... They have a beautiful moment where um, Wendy, played by... I just forgot her name. Wow. Maggie Smith. I'll just say Maggie Smith. It's Maggie Smith. It's Maggie Smith. There it is. Maggie Smith still looking old. 
Even though that woman, <laughs> that woman does not age, she just stayed in that one age. Um, and Old she forever. goes, Peter, you need to remember. And every time I watch that movie, that scene makes me tear up. It makes me want to tear up now because it is a beautiful representation of how parents and adults lose their childhood. They lose their wonder. They lose their whimsy. And this movie in its core is all about going back to that and being able to understand what it was like to be a child and believe in things. And it's like all of his movies. Yeah. But <laughs> this movie that? I said that. <laughs> this yeah, movie there's no them. question about it in this movie. This is all over the place in this film. It is literal <laughs> in a way. Uh and so then you go to Neverland, and it is one of the most beautiful examples of Neverland ever put to screen. It is full of magic and beauty and just adventure on every level. The, and then I talked to people that I met in the film industry that worked on this movie, and it was fueled by cocaine. <laughs> there was so much cocaine on this set, guys, and you can see it in the set design and the construction and how everyone's acting. <laughs> Everyone was just, like, up there. Everyone had allergies? <laughs> like, this is... Just, Even the little boys? This is amped up. They might have been on cocaine. I don't know. Rufy was probably on cocaine. Rufy, definitely yeah. on cocaine. <laughs> Rufy, oh! And, yes, and the cast is incredibly diverse. When you, it, I mean, there's not that many female roles. That is a sad thing. But, I mean, in Peter Pan, there never has been. It was just Wendy and Tiger Lily. And Tiger Lily's not even in this movie. Uh, they like, they, they talk was... about the Indians. They never go to the Indians. <laughs> but you have Julia Roberts playing a really cute, there it is. very <laughs> proactive Tinkerbell. And apparently she was a terror on set, but whatever. So it was young Julia Roberts. Very tiny Julia Roberts, too. <laughs> uh, and Except for one scene. She's to constantly being like, I need you to be Peter Pan. Stop being a lawyer. <laughs> and it's all, and this message is just don't get too wrapped up in your job. Make sure you prioritize your family, which is the exact opposite message of Close Encounters. Because <laughs> uh, yes. even in, <laughs> in this movie, Peter Pan can't find his happy thought. And then when he does, it's him becoming a father. He just he, that just bends, that becomes his the pinnacle moment of his life, and then he can crow, he can fight, he can go get his children back from fucking Hook, and Hook is being played by Dustin Hoffman, in a way that he's never played a role before. He's amazing, and then you have Bob Hoskins playing Shmi, the epitome of Shmi. He was so good at playing Shmi, they hired him to play the role in more than one franchise. <laughs> he's. It's amazing. This movie is amazing. I love this movie dearly. You have 10 seconds. And women are stronger in this film because Tinkerbell is always telling Peter, you need to be better. And the daughter never gets disillusioned in Neverland. She never forgets, even though her brother does. That's, and that's probably why there's no lost girls, because they don't get entranced like boys a, do. That's a good point. Damn. That's a good closing argument yes. there. Um, I, I am taking uh, 10 points off of your argument. Uh, for not mentioning Dustin Hoffman and Bob Hoskins the last 45 seconds. There's you could have done a whole five minutes I could talk about this two. movie for a long time. I'm I just, love, I'm just I, saying you've lost 10 points. Whatever. <laughs> We're not actually doing this on Is this like whose line is it anyway points? Uh, I'm, I have my own system going over here. <laughs> you don't need to worry about it. You're being judged. Uh, so in short, this is uh, probably his most well-loved movie while being his most critically slammed. And I want to know why you think that it's still the greatest movie in the world when critics around the world say it's pure hot garbage. Well, maybe that they don't remember what it was like to be a child. Oh. If you don't remember, if you have grown to the point that you've lost your wonder, which I have come close to, I've had experiences in my life that put me in places where I did not have my whimsy or my wonder anymore. And then I realized it and I t pulled myself out of those situations because that is soul crushing. And if you can't watch this movie and feel something like something from either your family from your own childhood from just believing in yourself and having fun then well yeah it's not a movie for you which is interesting because that's what the whole movie is about <laughs> yeah. peter has lost his sense of fun He's lost his way and he needs to remember 
However, I would disagree that Tinkerbell is any kind of feminist icon. Tinkerbell's I, entire purpose in the story is to be in love with Peter. I did not say that she was a feminist okay, all right, icon. Okay, okay, okay. I, I said you she did. was. Let's cut, roll back. Yeah. Yeah. I said she was pushing. She punched Peter. Mother Teresa. Yeah. <laughs> she was pushing Peter. Yeah, she mm-hmm. did. She, her service was. The, the she only... was servicing his plot. That is yeah. very true. And that's always bugged me about Peter. The man. Yeah. That's, that's, all that's always bugged me about Peter Pan in general. Is the only reason they want Wendy is so she can be their mom. Yeah. Man, they don't want her to be their friend. They're like, come, you're a woman. You can mother us and clean and shit. Mm. But that's different. That's not Wendy in this. That's, that's true. Wendy in this is a beautiful woman who went off to do her own thing and start an orphanage. And, and become everyone's mom. Well, she helped people who needed help. That is a beautiful thing for her to be able to do. Which has a very beautiful scene in the movie <coughs> where they're thanking her for that. And she's getting a new wing for her uh, orphanage. It's very touching. There's lots of touchingness in this movie. You know what? There's not a lot of in this movie. Mm. Gwyneth Paltrow? Yes. (laughs) She is in this movie. (laughs) How can you defend this movie as the best Spielberg? Nay, the best Peter Pan film when the crocodile gets like 11 seconds of screen time. Mm, That's a good point. The crocodile's the best part. Actually, but that actually is one of the things that makes it great because it is a fantastic reveal that even in death, the alligator is still after Hook. And swallows him while he's clearly a dead alligator. No. It's a great moment. It's a great moment. Yeah, it'd be nice if it was in the whole movie. That's <laughs> well, why I'm really excited for guess what? How something? Guess how something's not a great moment when it's in the whole movie? I like I when I see Rufio cosplayers. That- yeah. <laughs> Rufio is awesome. You don't get to see very many characters like him on screen. One that starts out as like a bully. He And one, he's not white. I think he might, he looks kind of Polynesian. I don't know. I really don't know with his ethnicity, but he starts out as a bully. Then he gets angry that no one's paying attention to him. And then he gets over all of his own personal hangups and embraces Peter. And then he dies for Peter. That's what you get. That is an amazing character arc. So what would you say to the people who don't like showing this to their kids because it's kids fucking dying it? You are trying to shelter your kids from life. That's one of the reasons why I do like this movie, because it has darkness in it. Because it kills kids? Kids can die. (laughs) But it's also showing kids standing up for themselves against incredible odds. And yes, sometimes you'll die from that. Especially right now with children walking out of school. They're trying to stand up to the fact that they are dying. That's actually, I would say that's one reason I always like Goblet of Fire, the best of the Harry Potter series, is because there is a child character who dies in it. Yeah. And I was, I was always impressed with the fact that that was allowed to happen because kids can, can be brave as well. You're fragile. You're still human. That's one of the things that children need to learn. You can be very confident and daring and everything, but there's still consequences and you should know them because they'll help you accomplish things by knowing your own limitations. So what would you say to the argument that the movie overstays its welcome? It's a very long movie. I'm, looking up, overst- I'm looking up common arguments to the movie. <laughs> Again, it's whether or not you can believe in it. I guess it's a long movie if you don't... Like if it? You're, if you're not along <laughs> for the ride. Or if you lost that hope. They have many sequences. There's a sequence in London, which it does last for about 35 minutes. And then you get to... You're doing the thing. Yeah, uh, I'm about to. I mean, it's a structured film. It's got more than three acts. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, okay. We got one more left. Here we go. Why is Jurassic Park... The best Spielberg movie. Dude, it's got all the things these other fucking movies have. Except not aliens. <laughs> There's no aliens in mine. No, no, I'm saying it's got uh, brave kids in it. It's got, uh, you know, awesome visuals. And um, it's also got dinosaurs. And none of you guys have fucking dinosaurs in your movies. Your Carl aliens Leathers, are only there for I like really 30 seconds. I have a really big seconds. alligator. Yeah, you have a really, yeah, whatever. I got a T-Rex. Um... <laughs> So um, what's brilliant about this movie, and I was watching it again last night, is um, it's just, there's so many things. Like, I had to, it was hard for me to articulate exactly what specifically I love about this movie, just because I love so many things about it. Um, This was early on in visual effects being done on computer, and when they first started pre-production on this, they wanted to do uh, stop motion. So so this movie revolutionized our effects now. I mean, like, it, it, it uses effects that hadn't been done before, but it also seamlessly blends 
lens, the visual, the computerized visual effects, and the animatronics that they had on set. And part of the reason is they actually had the stop motion animation guys help out with figuring out how, combining the animatronics with the with the VFX to make sure that their movements matched. It's just so magnificently done. Like when you see that T Rex roll up, that is there, and it moves so beautifully. It looks so real. Um, However, when you flip around on the people, they're all looking at nothing. Um, and Spielberg's like, you're scared now. And they're doing this great idea. Plus, my movie has Jeff Goldblum in it, and Sam Neill, and Laura Dern, and they're all awesome. And speaking of cool women, my movie definitely has the best woman. Because um, that's actually one of the things that I... She, she's, a, she's a scientist, um, and she is... Once they, did, they show her this uh, really sick dinosaur, and she's like, oh, shit, let me dig into this poop. Like, it doesn't take... She doesn't care. She's digging her arms into poop. She's like, whatever, I don't need... You know, they try to do... They, it's, I actually really love the romance in this because uh, Jeff Goldblum tries to seal her away, and it's never going to fucking happen. Her relationship with Sam Neill is so... Like, they're partners. They're so tight, and they're friends, and it's just such a good, healthy relationship. He's trying to seduce her, and then Dr. Grant, Sam Neill's character, busts out of the car... And then she just follows him. And I love that. And Jeff Goldblum's like, oh. In the meantime, meanwhile, he has got his hands on her on her like hand trying to be all sexy. And she's not interested. She just runs off to chase the dinosaur. But what I like about that is it's mirrored later when they're in the little display thing. And they're going around watching like the video. And then they come to the room where the dinosaur eggs are being hatched. And she's like, wait, wait, wait. We want to go back. She pushes the thing out of the way and then runs off after it. And then Do- uh, Dr. Grant runs off after her. They're, they're a team. And even when they're separate they still feel like a team the way it's cut the way the when the kids are when they're climbing that electric fence meanwhile we're looking at her like turning on the power it we're always like seeing them from their um their different perspectives dealing with their different problems and she runs off on her own to do that she faces down a raptor speaking of raptors one of the coolest things about this movie is the way like i remember when this movie came out this is actually my first date was this movie um and uh, before that, everybody knew about a T-Rex. Nobody really knew what a raptor was. So you don't see the raptor. It's still actually not what raptors are. Okay. So you don't even <laughs> see the raptor until a good bit into the movie. You only see its eyes or you see like, but you see references to it. And they do such a good job of building up this guy as the fucking evil badass. Um, or this girl, actually. Um, they, they build you up to the point where they talk about the raptor a lot. They show you that opening scene of that guy getting eaten by the raptor. They do all, and that, that speech Dr. Grant gives to that little kid, um, about how how the raptor kills you. So that by the time you see it, you are scared shitless way more of the raptor than you are the giant T-Rex. And it's just so magnificently done and they look so good. And we got all iconic lines in this clever girl. People say that all the time. They don't even know where the fuck it comes from anymore. It comes from that movie. Um, but like it's, uh, you got hold on to your butt, Samuel Jackson with the cigarette. Um, and uh, you got Newman. I don't know what else you want. Newman. Newman. Dodson. It's just so, and, and the sense, I love, and I love the song. Um, just the other day on set, our uh, sound guy started whistling the, the tune from Jurassic Park. And like an hour later, a grip walked by. I mean, like, da na 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 na. And it's just, it's, but it's not something you don't want stuck in your head. It's just beautiful music, but it gives you the sense of wonder. Um, and that's what it's designed to do is the, he, Spielberg said he didn't want to make a monster movie and he didn't, they're not monsters. They're animals that are do as Jeff Goldblum says, life finds a way. And they talk about nature. It's so it's, there's a sense of wonder, even as they're trying to kill you. Um, and I think that's, what's so cool about this movie is yes, they're scary, but you also don't hate them. Like that's why the line clever girl is so good. He like, he respects her and it's, and it's all about respecting nature and, and respecting these beautiful creatures. And it has that great line, dinosaurs. Wait, can I do the line? Done. Woman inherits the earth. Don't meet extinct. (laughs) And technically this has the most female leads since the diners are also supposed to be women. Mm -hmm. I was going to make that a criticism of her argument. (laughs) Well, we have five minutes to criticize it first. But the the question I want to ask for the beginning of this thing is this movie, Jurassic Park specifically, I think is the epitome of when Spielberg went for um, spectacle over logic. And that has always, not always, when I was a kid I enjoyed it, but as I grew older it's made rewatches a little less enjoyable of how he just does not give a shit about the geography of the island. This would have been a terror for the scripty. Oh yeah, like there, like there's cliffs that come out of nowhere. Some, for some reason, they fall into a cage and then walk a mile and find themselves outside the park. I don't know why the T Rex just didn't walk the same direction they went. Like, there's a lot of things in this movie that he just didn't give a fuck about, and I want to know why you still think it's the best movie when 
there are clear, glaring logic problems throughout the whole movie. I mean, one, when I was a kid, I didn't notice it. And, but I'm and asking honestly, about now. as an adult, I mean, it bothers me a tiny bit, but it's to the point where they're fucking dinosaurs. You know, I mean, and I don't, I, I think the sense of wonder that this movie gives you and, this, and, and the characters are so brilliantly written and the adventure and all that, that I, I think in the end, it's just, it's fine. Uh, it doesn't, even as a scripty, it doesn't really bother. The only thing that bothers me is when they are, when the car goes over the cliff and they're standing over there and then the next shot, they're just down there. That's the most and, and that, glaring that, one. That, that does bug me, but it never bugged me until like last night. Um, you know, <laughs> like, I never really thought about it before. Um, and it's, you know, you could spend minutes showing how they got down there or you could just cut to them down there and just assume they found a way. I, it, it, you know, I, I would rather spend more time looking at the dinosaurs being awesome and looking at these people running and, and all the, you know, character development and all of the, the scene with the raptors in the kitchen. That, that's what I want to spend time on. I don't want to spend time on showing how they got down into a cliff. Sure. Uh, the glaring things in this movie just to have things to nitpick. Yes, the raptors are really cool, but they did also skew my child brain to think that those are actual what raptors are. And then I learned how they're actually a very different dinosaur. The raptors were smaller and had feathers and other things. Raptors uh, is a cool name. Yeah, yeah, raptors is just a better name because I don't even remember the name of the actual dinosaur they're Dino-nicus. trying to represent. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's not no feathers in this movie. This is horribly inaccurate. Yeah. <laughs> they, they keep talking about birds, it and then they before, show birds at the end. It was before people really started to realize that dinosaurs had feathers. Well, that's that's part of the movie. Is they talk that was a, a budding like theory yeah. about the dinosaurs being birds, and they use that in this movie. Like they they did actually apply that. They the original sketches of the dinosaurs they had like long lizardy tongues, mm. and that was removed. And um, their the the you know their movements were made a little bit more bird like. The raptors at least were made a little bit more bird like to uh, to go with that. And a lot of the characters again with the logic thing, uh, specifically everyone involved with the park, just like they make the dumbest decisions, like. Every single one of those men are there. I mean, in a way, it's refreshing to see a lot of men making really dumb decisions. Uh, but this should have been prevented really, really easily. Not hiring Newman. <laughs> Not hiring Newman, just having better fences, better defenses, just understanding your creatures more. It's, this movie is a lot about. Uh, ego yeah. and uh, hubris yeah i think that's the point that's like when we leave and we see hammond looking at his creation and realizing that he fucked up yeah and so he, there's a... he thought he had it all in control oh if you just make them all girls it won't be a problem so even though this movie does have a lot of wonder to it it is like i would honestly say it's his most like damning two people movie on the table even yeah. though he's known as the person who celebrates people the most while this movie kind of damns them I he agree. lets hammond <laughs> off a hook though well, how do you argue that? How do you justify that Hammond gets to live? That's the thing is, like the book doesn't, and I think the book is better for that. Like Hammond did the damnable thing, playing God. Therefore, I think it's yeah. I think it's way more impactful watching him at the end, realizing that this is all on him. Like, I mean, you die, you, the character gets let off the hook. He's dead. He's gone. He doesn't have to deal with the consequences of his actions. Death and that, is the ultimate consequence. <laughs> of but, but, he, uh, he's not live, around to deal with. To it. live, guys, is the greatest adventure. <laughs> But you see it. I mean, much as I'd hate to bring up the sequels, you That's do from see Mighty him Ducks. In, the, in the sequels. No, it's from Puck. <laughs> but you do see him in the sequels, like feeling regret, um, and you see him. But you don't even need the sequels for that. That face he makes as they're leaving on that helipad. It's like shit. This is all on me. I did this. I I got all these people killed, and now I mean, without if he died, you don't get that moment. You don't get the moment of someone realizing that this is all their fault, and you don't get that darkness you talk about, which I actually like. I like the moment where we realize that this is this is humanity fucking up right here. And, and this movie also does a terrible job representing what it would look like to be mauled by a dinosaur, by the way, because when they're down hiding in that bunker and you're looking at Goldblum, Goldblum, or Goldblum, blah, 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 blah. Malcolm. Malcolm, he looks sexy as hell. He does look sexy. And we're out of time. (laughs) It's a kid's movie. He should not look sexy being mauled by a dinosaur. You have to go for a ring. Even Samuel L. Jackson's decapitated arm looks sexy. It's a nice arm. Doesn't make any sense. Well, hey, if something happened to it. Okay, so this is a really tough one. Um, There's beeping. That's his. That's my timer. Um, That was the end of the five minutes. Uh, So. There's only one on the table that I have to eliminate, and it's just because there there is so much hate against it, and I really feel bad doing it. Because this was the one that I would have immediately chosen just based on them, and that's John's. Um, 
I'm a diehard. I'm sorry, John. I'm a diehard indie fan, and I came into this thing. I got thing intense there. Locked and loaded to give it to Indiana Jones because it's just like, what's well, fucking Indiana Jones? Of course it will be, but there's. Uh, I am so glad I wasn't on this episode because if I had picked that one and I gotten that response, I'd have been flustered as hell. So thank you, John, for sticking with us. <laughs> you did a great argument. The first five minutes were great. The last five minutes did not help. Keep in mind, you. I said memorable, <laughs> <laughs> not the best. But either way, I'd feel guilty giving it to that movie after that conversation, so no more Indiana Jones. And then between the other three, uh, I, I I honestly think this is the three best arguments I've seen from all three of you. This was, I didn't this stumble was, at all this time. No. Usually I stumble in the middle of my argument. This was fucking... Yours is always the funniest. Yeah. I, yeah. I thought Superman I go for laughs. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> she just screamed unchained. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just basically say what i liked about each one of these and then i had to pick one of them uh so essentially i i'm not a fan of close encounters like it's just never done it for me i've never actually been able to finish the movie because i find it boring i need to give it that shot i know we never saw um, the ending no one <laughs> <laughs> um after, he's about to be a dad now so i'm not sure <laughs> after listening to your argument i will guarantee that i watch it like it, it it you made me want to watch the movie which is great um and that's where I'm with that one. For Jurassic Park, it's, yeah, you nailed it. It's just this sense of wonderment. It's like the epitome of like everything he's learned before up to this point and then celebrated in this one end-all, be-all amazing film. And I think everything you said was on point. And then with Hook, you made one of the worst movies he's ever made sound phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is! <laughs> uh, and this, I, this I love the, Hook. I'll I, say right now, Hook... Uh, is the first movie I remember seeing as a child and wanting to see it more than once in theaters. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I love this movie, but I also think it's pure trash. But I just <laughs> I really enjoy watching the garbage. Um, it's not garbage at all. It's so garbage. Uh, you're, you're focusing it's, on the agree. cocaine part. It is of it. not garbage. I enjoy it. <laughs> it's wonderful garbage. It's the best garbage that garbage has ever been. I would love to have this garbage in my house. Anybody else's audio cut out? Oh, there it goes. Nope. <laughs> I think it's just you. Just fixed. sorry. Oh, now I'm good. No, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, okay, so between those three, so basically what I'm saying is you all did a wonderful job, but I have to go the one that I go for the best argument, and the argument that made me laugh the most was Hook, so I'm going with Hook. Uh, it was funny. <laughs> Win them back with humor. Yep. I, I almost died. <laughs> but honestly, it, it's like a game of inches between all three of them because they were all very good arguments. I really enjoyed listening to all three of them. The only thing that uh, I would have Actually, added... all four of them. The, the first five minutes of Indiana Jones. We really, like, I feel uh, like Indiana Jones was definitely the biggest... Uh, challenge to go after yeah so like i feel like chewie well, and i john kind of gave us something to last yeah he yeah. really did yeah. you yeah. gave <laughs> us a window and we attacked he showed one crack in his armor and he blew it to pieces yep and to be fair you found we the one like thing that team... was wrong with the movie yeah. so. maybe maybe we were like a team of raptors because yeah. uh, all said and done i agree with john the best movie on the table is raiders i love raiders but, so much and but. first one thing you didn't mention emily with your movie is uh, the young girl. I never. Yeah, I didn't name. have time. I didn't get to uh, her. She's wonderful in your movie, just because the whole time everyone keeps viewing her as like the the dead weight, mm-hmm. uh, and then at the end she, she saves the day. She's the reason they all skills. survive because she's able to reset. Although these she's able to hack a weird computer. Yeah. Game. <laughs> all, <laughs> of sudden, all of a sudden, okay. all of a sudden, she can hack a computer. I know Linux. Here's or something. Unix or something that has always that bugs me about that scene though is when we see Newman using it. Um, he uh, he's using code, and then we see her using the same system. It's like little point and click boxes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the same. Yeah, it's not yeah. the same. But yeah. either way, without her, they would have all died. Absolutely true. Again, Spielberg threw out logic for this entire yeah. film. Oh no, totally. Um, it's okay. It's, it's a great watch. Um, I mean, as soon as you were like, we got mosquito DNA to make a dinosaur. That's fucking absurd. <laughs> You got a what and a where fuck you movie. <laughs> but that's more Michael Crichton's fault than Spielberg's. You know, in my movie, all you have to do is get some sparkly glitter and think a happy thought and you get to fly. Yeah. Fair point. You've already won the argument. You don't need to keep fighting. <laughs> uh, okay, so we'll wrap things up here with a uh, quick round of plugs. Um, I'll do mine first. I have started moderating a Twitch stream for our friend uh, Carla Wasgala. She It's called Carlation Art on Twitch, and we try to do this once a week, but it's all dependent on her schedule. Uh, but be sure to check that check in on that. I will post links to it whenever we are streaming on our Twitter and Facebook and whatnot. She just one- started her uh, horoscope uh, series, and she just finished Virgo, which looks amazing. It's all real so cool stuff. you could just see if you want to know what your horoscope is going to look like as a lovely lady in lingerie. There you go. Keep a lookout. 
Uh, and then be sure to check out her uh, her page uh, so you can buy her new book, Blue Eyes and the Beastling, which is awesome and beautiful, and everyone should pick it up. Uh, that's it for me. Oh, beyond, you know, check out our website, ATHPod, yeah. and uh, rate and review us on iTunes. That would be fucking kick-ass. Uh, that's it for me. And anybody else have something to plug? I make cosplays for people, emilyblakesos.com, which hopefully my website will look good soon and not just be a collection of photos, which it is right now. Um, emilyblakesos.com. You can hire me to make you a cosplay, everybody. Cool. And Elvis? Uh, well, the truth is there were five Spielberg movies that are way better than any of the ones we discussed today. They all star Tom Hanks. And we all have a whole episode to get dedicated to each of them on my podcast, Tom Hanks Giving. Uh, check it out. Uh, there's archives of every Tom Hanks movie. Um, two do you, dates. Do you do movies where he's just like a cameo or only oh, movies where he's... Oh, just... we've gotten cameos. We do Elvis has left the building. Okay. He's mailbox Elvis in that one. We did Band of Brothers. We did Band of Brothers. Uh-huh. And he's in it for like three seconds <laughs> and you can't even see him. <laughs> we might not have done it if I had known that. We were just discussing the Simpsons movie earlier. Are you Simpsons the movie? Simpsons movie's on there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's so much to listen to there. Um, and five great Spielberg episodes, of course. And uh, check that out, uh, Tom Hanks Giving Podcast. And otherwise, you can find me on social media at Elvis Kaboom. Cool. Kaboom, boom, boom. Yes. So thank you for listening. Yes. Go check out Ready Player One. I know we're all going to. We're actually going tonight. So Wrinkle in Time looks really good. Yeah. Uh, I haven't had time to see it yet. It needs yeah. your money right now. It's it, getting destroyed. It, it really oh, God. is. Yep. So go see movies. In theaters. But Ava just got hired to direct a New Gods over at Warner Brothers. Jack Kirby, so what, what? So exciting! So bye! bye.